All right, awesome. Yeah, I'm oh, using okay. this stu- studio microphone, so just checking uh, the level okay, here. that's cool. So we're going to deliver the best uh, audio quality. <laughs> right? Something like something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm just having a lot of fun uh, listening to The Right Way. I was listening to The Right Way. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I love uh, dancing to that song. It's pretty cool. Awesome. That's good to hear. You yeah. guys are playing it down there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I love it. And uh, this is exciting. I'm really excited. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, DJ, producer, guitar player, founding member of Underground System. Peter Matson is my guest on today on the show. So thank you for doing this, Peter. It's amazing. For sure. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for yeah. having me. Isn't it amazing how interconnected the world these days is? Like I'm a simple guy in Ecuador in the Amazon region talking to my heroes <laughs> around the world. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is amazing. That's the better part of all this yeah. globalized stuff we've got going on. Absolutely. Um, the internet and all that, for sure, is, is yeah. yeah being able to connect with someone like you uh, that yeah. we never would have maybe met before. Yeah, yeah, sure. So when I, when I discovered you, an underground system, last year, I think it was, uh, you know, I just thought this is my music. You know, this is what I like. I, I want more of this. The world needs more of this. You know, this this is totally my vibe. So I love your music, and uh, I I would say maybe let's start talking about underground system. Yeah, for sure. You have a new EP into the fire, which is out. It's the first in a series of two, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We uh sort of really like a partnership with our, our friends, uh, Razor and Tape, a great dance music label here in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, that they sort of, um, they started out as like really like a, a DJ only, almost like edit and and kind of dance floor track uh, label, a lot of 12 inch releases, that sort of thing, some bootlegs, etc. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten into a place the past few years where they were really uh, wanting to push and, and do more original music because there's a, yeah there are a lot of people uh, like us out there making original dance music. Maybe we have a band. Maybe we have yeah disco groups yeah. Uh, that also play live uh, from all over the world. All these sorts of situations where you know we're not we're not editing or sampling um, yeah. in, in old tune. We're actually like creating this stuff in real time and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of distinction, that separation. They want to do original stuff and here we are. We know them yeah. and it, it, it all yeah. worked out. Sure. So what emotion do you feel when you listen to your own album? So how would you describe the sound you have created on this album? Oh man, <laughs> yeah. It's all, yeah, you know, when, when you've lived with making an entire tune, you start to like, your perspective morphs, you know, it changes and, and sometimes you can sort of... Uh, lose yourself a little bit when you've been living with the same music that you're releasing for like months in a row. But yeah, now we've got a few months of distance from it. I haven't been listening to those songs constantly. So it still (laughs) feels good. It feels like a nice uh, representative mix of where we're at. Uh, with the group right now, just yeah, we're all always like a bit of a a combination of some influences and and styles that I think you can hear in there. Uh, And yeah, it just sort of represents us getting back out. Um, into the real world, touring again, doing all these things that, yeah, uh, yeah we were ready to do for the last few years, but couldn't yeah. always. Yeah, you were you were touring in Europe also, no, this summer. During this, yeah, summer. we yeah, big, very beginning of summer, we had a nice uh, return cool. there. That was the first time in in uh, three years. It was it was sort of surreal to be back. Cool. It was kind of crazy. Uh, 
Because yeah, we there was a moment where we were like, are we ever gonna like play overseas yeah. again? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you was... played in Germany, right? At the Fusion Festival. I was there. I lived in Germany for around twelve years. So oh wow! Yeah, it was yeah, that's the a Fusion. Crazy festival. It's a crazy festival, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what really... was that experience like? <laughs> it it was a bit of a roller coaster. Not, uh, I mean. I'm sure that that can get crazy for anybody who's involved. You know, it's like tens of thousands of people on an old military base in rural Germany. But, yeah. Uh, the shows were fine. We got stopped by like the German like uh, customs police on the way in <laughs> to the okay. to the festival. And they like searched our van for like three hours. And, like, yeah, uh -huh. it was like, it's, it was an ordeal. We got off and were able to play the shows, but there there's yeah. like a, Definitely some headbutting in that local community that's probably mm -hmm. more conservative versus the the mission of that festival, which is like a massive amount of people coming into that tiny yeah. little town and th that area. So it's it's a yeah. wild experience. German Burning Man, really. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. Kind of, yep. In uh -huh. France, also no. What was what was like the, the coolest crowd from? Right. Yeah, and we had so many. So many cool shows in France. Uh, yeah. Really memorable one from a few years ago. That first long tour we did was uh, Laurent Garnier's Festival Yeah uh, mm -hmm. in, in the south of France in Provence uh, from the, the town uh, Lumeran, which I may or may not be pronouncing correctly, but he, where he was from originally, I believe. And he mm -hmm. has his own kind of... Uh, yeah, it's really like a local festival, but he's he's such a legend and so connected globally that they have some international acts, but then they have a lot of really cool and uh, and diverse programming of French artists. But yeah, festival, yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, if yeah. you're in, if you're in anywhere in south of France in early June, I, they do it yearly. Uh, that's a great festival to go to. Uh, and then yeah, there there are other ones too. I mean. We did uh, a lot of shows within like 2018 and 2019 over in Europe. Cool. Cool. Sounds amazing. So your live show is also a great experience. What can someone expect who hasn't been to one of your shows? So there's, a, there, there's this element of dancing and stuff. So what can we expect when, you, when we see a live show? Definitely. It's like uh, real high energy, um, sort of, yeah, very engaging performance. Uh, mm -hmm. There's you know, five, six, seven of us on stage. It's a full-on, like, real, like, headlining kind of feel to the... Nice. It's, we're really going for it. You know, we're yeah. playing we're playing hard and and going in. But there's also, I think, the people that don't know about us that catch us playing live, we... Mm -hmm. We leave an impression, I think, for that's a little bit deeper in the sense of like they're like, wow, like what did I, what just happened? Or you know, it's very intersectional. Right. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of different like, uh, yeah, there's different stuff going on that we're different sorts of people. There's a lot of diversity through the band over the years, male and female dynamics, and uh, yeah, yeah. There's just like a lot of it's. We're not easy to be like fully stereotyped into into one thing, and I think people that are are appreciative of that like really kind of latch onto that eventually they're like wow yeah. they're up to a few things at once but they're doing it well uh and i think that's our lasting impression that we leave live uh when people experience a whole set you know for an hour or however long we're playing it's kind of the journey we go on yeah yeah that's right and i mean we, we can also hear some afrobeat 
into uh, definitely in your, your songs. So, so when when did you discover Afrobeat music? That was towards the end of the 2000s, and it was really like having a moment here in New York City. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of great groups from that era that uh, maybe the the one that you would pinpoint the most in New York that did that sort of Fela uh, proper mm-hmm. uh, Nigerian like 70s Afrobeat style in a, in a revivalist sort of way and brought it to a new generation was that group Antibalis and they're still touring constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know them. I saw them live also. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was basically just, I was meeting those guys. I met this mm-hmm. one guy, Victor Axelrod, who's a very legendary producer and keyboardist. Cool. He he worked on the Amy Winehouse record. He's, you know, he's like okay, a goat cool. A-list sort of session player, but he's also a founding member of Antibalis and, and cool. uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just sort of very inspiring musicians. Uh, and really like discipline in the right way yeah. uh, where I, I just love that learning to play guitar with that style uh, of Fela's guitarists or like, it's also like uh, kind of James Brown uh, yeah. sort of yeah. uh, sensibility where you're, you, you got to play just one thing. You got to play really well <laughs> and there's like no yeah. arguing with it. You know, it's just like, that's it. You can do that or you can't. <laughs> and, yeah. and I really appreciated that challenge at that time when I was getting out of like college here in New York and being like, I want to do something that's like real and, and functional. And then beyond that, I just sort of fell in love with the whole, uh, that whole universe uh, yeah. and, and the stories of, uh, yeah, just for me, I'm, I'm just like, I have a real musical background and upbringing and I have some interesting stories in my own family about uh, musical mm-hmm. heritage, but learning mm-hmm. about, uh, yeah, the sort of kind of the heritage and then... Yeah, you, you of, have. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my dad, I was born in Los Angeles. My dad's a <laughs> film composer and then he became sort of like a, a music professor, but he's also like an old kind of rock and roll guy from the Bay okay. Area in the cool. 60s, like Berkeley, California. So he was kind of like, uh, he, he was there, you know, he's watching the Rolling Stones and like who, and yeah, he, he came up in that. And then my mom's side of the family from all from New York city. My great grandfather was Irving Berlin who's a very famous, uh, Broadway and standard songwriter, uh, that wrote some, yeah, just like all time classic tunes. Some of the most famous would be like white Christmas and, uh, God bless America. But he also had, yeah, it's like great American songbook stuff, mm-hmm. uh, 20th century music. And then, yeah, I have a lot of cousins that are musicians. And cool. I grew up So you were exposed that. to music from a very early age, right? Definitely, yeah. And your first instrument was the guitar, right? Yeah. yeah when that, did you pick up your first guitar? That was like maybe beginning of high school. And then okay. st- started to get... Yeah, I, I wasn't like a... a child like uh i wasn't forced to do a ton of music i had like maybe a year or two of piano lessons when i was little but then it was kind of i wanted to play guitar in high school an electric guitar i liked Mm -hmm. rock music and some funk and and jazz and soul stuff and i just sort of went straight to that i wasn't really strumming strumming on acoustics it was like straight to electric guitar and then i started learning about jazz and that was that And how did you guys meet each other? So with the other members of Underground System? Yeah, Underground System, I met Dominica, the front woman, who's, we're really like the partners uh, that are, are running the the group. We we write and produce the music and are, are kind of calling the, uh, calling the shots with everything. And mm-hmm. I met her, yeah, it's about a decade ago. I was interning at a, a music publishing company that she was working at. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And then at the same time, I would see her out in Brooklyn at shows. It was like, hey, I'm starting this band. Do you want to just do this? <laughs> and mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> it, it just sort of one of those yeah. things. It worked out. New York's good, good for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I read also in some interviews that she's also really into Afrobeat music, right? Definitely, yeah. To yeah. Uh, it levels uh, a, a little bit deeper than me too. Or she traveled to mm-hmm. to Ghana and has studied wow. West African dance. And, oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah, she, she's a proper dancer too, right. uh, alongside yeah. being like yeah. uh, a incredible flute player and and vocalist. She's got a lot cool. going on. Dominica is like a, a force. You, yeah. Are you friends with Kaleta? Do you know Kaleta? Yeah, for sure. Really I, cool. He yeah, was on my show too. I talked to those guys also. Oh, awesome! Like cool. a whole episode with Kaleta. Yeah, it's it yeah. was amazing. Such a, and That's he was great. mentioned in some of the things you you said. You know, like you, you know, Afrobeat. Because mm-hmm. I asked him like, so how how do you play Afrobeat on 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 the guitar or on drums? And he, right. it was hard for him to describe how to do that. It's just, it's just, <laughs> I was born with this, right? So. Yeah, well, he he yeah. is uh, he's from he's uh, the the epicenter of it, and yeah, and he played yeah. with Fela, so with he, Fela, he knows what's sure. up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to play in this group called Akoya uh, yeah. once in a while that he was the front yeah. person in. But were you talking to Super Yamba people? Was that yeah cool? Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I also discovered Afrobeat also around the end of the 2000s and me mm-hmm. the drummer of my band at that time in germany we, we were we, we both were like two wide-eyed guys discovering this new world and then totally we discovered yeah. you know we, we love the dapton records no all the artists of course there. yeah uh, the buddha's band is one of my favorite bands yeah they're they're, the they're, they're really excellent cool. yeah yeah so cool so now maybe let's move on from you know, from the, the live acoustic music to the more mechanical type of sounds, electronic sounds. Mm-hmm. Let's talk dance music, uh, nightlife culture, because you are also a DJ and you're yeah, also for sure. your own sounds, right? The club scene in New York. Now, dance music is such a big concept. Uh, what exactly it is? How would you describe it? Right. Well, yeah, it's got a lot of branches on the tree at yeah. this point, right? It's so it's such a global, uh, mm-hmm. also almost like phen- phenomenon at this point. Yeah. It's like this massive. It's uh, like hip hop, right? It's such a huge thing, right? Yeah, it's just it's everywhere. Um, for the the purists in us and a lot of like the sort of like underground people, I think it, the genesis to me and to a lot of New Yorkers and people mm-hmm. uh, would, would definitely be traced back to the disco years and, and the, mm-hmm. the few years leading up to that too as well. There's the uh, the ever-famous Loft uh, and, and yeah. Dave Mancuso and that sort of sensibility yeah. of that that like kind of almost like rare groove, uh, mm-hmm. just never-ending, like soulful, funky, jazzy cuts yeah. uh, with this like specific peaks in them that allowed people to just kind of lose themselves uh mm-hmm. you know you, you get in this is the the same thing that we deal with that we were just talking about in live music that endless repetition and and grooves that that feel like uh they could go on forever if you wanted them to and then it started becoming more formalized and you start like kind of in i guess in retrospect at this point realizing all these little subgenres and and different uh changes in eras and technology that allowed new styles of dance music to flourish over the years uh but it, it would be hard to put it all under one umbrella at this point i feel yeah. like you know um but yeah we're definitely i'm definitely like that sort of like 
the New York sensibility of combining multiple genres it, within one night or one dance floor or you know that I think that's what I appreciate the most at the same time that I I do love hearing of an extremely nuanced seamless uh, like long form set of one particular style of club music mm-hmm. I, I do I do love that and I, I really appreciate it when it's done well uh, there's I like the like the juxtaposition of of different cultural reference points and and uh things over the course of like a whole club night i don't know if that answered the question but <laughs> yeah, yeah sure, like, sure absolutely and, and where where do you play these days like like if you are new to new york and, and you want to explore the club scene uh, where, where where should i go yeah there and there's um this week we about a year ago we started a, a hybrid dj and live residency at this venue called public records in gowanus okay, that, cool. that place has a really uh this is in brooklyn uh it has a really really beautifully built out sound room with this four nice. point uh, wooden speakers that were custom built and mm-hmm. oh, the dj booth's okay. like a spaceship it's like <laughs> this insane custom rotary mixer and like the monitoring is great and it's like a joy to play music in there wow, um yeah. Yeah, the sound is just so important, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like the technical part of building a, a club, right? Totally. It's really uh, the and, and you notice it when people go above and beyond to like mm-hmm, that's what mm-hmm. that's what separates a real club from yeah, you know just like sure. a bar or something too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Which is yeah. also that I should say that's a big part of like any DJ in New York that came up in New York learning how to DJ, you spend a lot of time in bars with shitty sound systems. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. It, that's part of it too. You can't, <laughs> you can't be like a full on snob. You have to like understand how to do the job, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like it, a proper club experience when with a tuned up sound system cool. or, uh, with proper acoustic treatment. Yeah. That's the best. And there are quite a few of them around. Um, yeah, like old standby, like for more of like just a classic no frills New York nightclub. I've I always enjoy going to Good Room, uh, which is here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they get a lot of international touring DJs from the sort of uh, underground scenes. But yeah, really just kind of, yeah, just no BS, just New York club, two rooms. There's a small room called the bad room and then there's the main room. Uh, and you can just walk back and forth all night. Uh, and, and yeah, hang out as long as you feel like pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that's been fun over the recent years. Um, yeah, there were a lot of smaller, uh, smaller sort of like hi-fi aspirational spots too. Um, so this place, Jupiter Disco, I would play at a bit. Um, there was a club called Black Flamingo that's still going. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a basement spot with some clipped speakers and and nice mixers. And that's been a standby over the years. Um, there's a Mezcal bar. One, this is one of my favorites called Milagrosa, uh, oh, cool. which, which is attached to a Mexican restaurant uh, owned by this guy, Felipe, who's from Coyacan in Mexico City originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been a restaurateur in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn for a couple decades now. Uh, and he has like, it's like the, the best possible, like, like speakeasy, almost like a, a your like dream side room in mm-hmm. in your like place or something, just wow. all, all wood. And he has nice Macintosh amps and some clipped speakers. And that okay. place is awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> that sounds great. Yeah, it, re- it really is. Milagrosa. Yeah. For Milagrosa. anyone making it to, yep, to New York. It's in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Cool. That sounds great. And w- would you say, 
I don't know. Is there a difference between the New York and the European club culture, like U.S. American and Europe? Yeah, yeah. There are uh, the way people I don't know celebrate dance, the approach definitely. to dance music. Yeah, is there? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I there's. It's been way in the past decade. Those lines got really blurred because there there became such an exchange between. I guess I would say even particularly like Berlin and New York City uh-huh. and the, the younger generation of techno kids. And there's just all, all kinds of crossover going on now. But I think okay. New York is kind of a bit of that, like that bar culture is still there where people mm-hmm. are like kind of, they're really drinking and they're, they're like, it, it's a little bit more, it's not, it's not a more aggressive, but there's, yeah, I don't know. You have to be like, ready to engage people <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like and you know just some shit might go down in new york but, right yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, it feels a little bit more aggressive on the streets and um and, and then some of the like sleepier european towns that i've been to that might have like a crazy club that you just walk into and you're like oh my god like everyone's here <laughs> new yeah. york is new york's like the whole city is alive like on a weekend so yeah, that yeah. that energy plays into you don't feel like you're isolated or in your in your own world you feel like you're a part of this massive like amorphous blob of nightlife you know <laughs> like there, yeah. you could go like so many places there's bars restaurants clubs like i think that sort of does separate new york a little bit from like maybe a smaller european city um that's maybe a little quieter uh on average but then you like have to you go to like a warehouse uh for a massive rave or something yeah. like that or something like out of town even you know yeah I, that that's that does there's a subtle difference there yeah okay i, I got it but, but yeah would you say if we, if we say berlin have you been to berlin I uh just passing so. through to that in 2019 oh. uh to go to that that festival um to, that we were playing but yeah the, the, i was supposed to make it there but then you know what happened in 2020 uh so it's on the list now i'm gonna go to europe in the fall yeah. maybe i'll make it out there uh, i really i really want to go um yeah for years now so i'm long overdue can can we can we talk now maybe uh, a little bit about your your gear uh, your, yeah. your, your equipment so do you use a lot of analog gear uh Maybe we can break down one of your songs if you want, like to to sure, describe yeah. a little bit the process of creating your songs. So, what equipment do you use, and you know what kind of amps and preamps? So, yeah, I'm really yeah. interested in, and this is kind of I always have this part in the podcast when we talk about a little bit this this geeky details of making music. Oh yeah, I'm down if if that yeah. if, okay, if cool. you're. So if you want to break down one of your songs and talk about all the equipment you use and cables and machines and all that, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Uh, what's um, what's one of the tunes that you were listening to? Um, well, I, I was I was listening to this song that I really like. Um, uh, for the the right way. No? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that would have been. Um, yeah, that was just all me producing that one. Um, let me think the a couple of the the key instruments in there there's hi-hats from a 707 drum machine okay. were pretty important 707 drum machine yeah when i first started um started that groove i remember that yeah. and uh, the bass is that a synthesizer yeah that's a, yeah. that's a juno bass the and juno. then there's 
Oh, yeah, there's uh, 106, I believe, and then there's also extra layers from. This is one of one of my favorite instruments, the Roland uh, SH101, uh, uh-huh. which, which comes into play just as like a decorative sort of instrument in a lot of stuff I work on. Yeah, uh, adding a little bit of extra. Uh, rhythmic lines or, or textures, uh, arpeggios, uh-huh. that kind of stuff that's in there. Um, yeah, I used a vocoder from, I have an MS-2000, which is a, a early 2000s Korg synthesizer that has a good vocoder on it. Mm-hmm. So that's what those vocals are in there, mostly in in that tune the right way. Um, yeah, a bit of like hand-played percussion, like then like really heavily quantized and looped up uh, that was going on yeah the chords would be from a juno to um what else is in there so you have all this yeah. equipment in, in in your studio right. yeah i work at a couple it's like all pieced together uh at different studios for me right now where depending on the context that tune didn't have live drums on it but a lot of like underground system is a ton of live drums and yeah. and uh, other productions I work on to incorporate live drummers so then uh, there's a couple studios on on that level mm-hmm. uh, recording drums is a whole whole thing that's like yeah. a, a lifetime yeah. of work and investment yeah. and equipment yeah. and things like that and I I can't uh, I can't do that and also be a functioning artist and a DJ. And yeah, yeah that, that's a separation that uh, is really important uh, to, to make for, for some people to understand that uh, when you want to do something and have like a certain quality or sound to it, or it sometimes you've got to go to somebody who knows <laughs> for, you need a second pair of ears. And though a lot of times when I record live drums, that's yeah. a studio called transmitter park here in, in Brooklyn, uh, it's owned by this engineer, Abe Seaforth, who's really great. Uh, it's been like a long time guy I've gone to, to, to do that kind of, uh, like acoustic live recording when you have to get the sound of a room, uh, which is different than if you're like plugging a synthesizer in directly to a preamp, mm-hmm. uh, capturing the the audio in a, in a room on a microphone, especially for a drum kit, is like uh, that takes a lot of work and a lot of um, a lot of patience and yeah, yeah just knowledge, etc. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it takes a lot of time, uh, knowledge. How much time do you spend when creating a track, composing? Uh, producing a track it can be a good amount at this point i do uh i do revise things a good amount um maybe when i first started some stuff that i mean that wouldn't even be like officially released at this point but i would move faster or just like work like all day and try to like get something Mm -hmm. like to a place that felt good but then you know then your ears are like bleeding and you lose perspective (laughs) so now these days i like to work like a few hours at a time and kind of yes slowly slowly revise and mold um tunes that i'm working on over the course of you know maybe some maybe it's a few months or something you know not working every day at all but like coming back every few days while it's still so you're still somewhat inspired and but just really yeah kind of just plugging away be like okay let's replace this bass sound today i think mm-hmm. we can do that better and you know you sort of chase your own tail until you feel like you can't make 
the production or the song any better than what it already is. And then you have to let go, <laughs> which is, mm. that's hard for some people. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And it involves so much work because, you know, I'm, I'm also trying to make music with my computer now, but all I have is a MIDI keyboard. So sometimes I think I need something else to make the right. way it sound a little bit more warm. So, uh-huh. so I guess what, what, what you do and everybody who does electronic music is you use this analog gear to, to find that sound, huh? Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's definitely a, a mix. So I, I uh, use Ableton constantly. That's my main yeah. DAW. And, and yeah. I really don't, I don't mind uh, starting tunes with a bunch of plugins or, or what. Yeah, that's not a, not a big deal to me at all. I, I, yeah. uh, I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, for, for a finished for a finished thing that you might want to release to the world and, and you want to be proud of for years to come, <laughs> then it's yeah. like, yeah, then you kind of, you want to do that extra step and be like, okay, like how can, how can this like be the best possible uh, result, you know? Sure. And, that, and that's when that extra production knowledge can help out. It doesn't mean that you need to have like a bunch of expensive shit. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, Cause that's, that's the thing. Yeah. I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh, do I have to spend so much money now buying keyboards and stuff <laughs> yeah no it, i mean a, a few pieces that you really like or yeah. like that you know that you're gonna use yeah but you don't need yeah. to be excessive you can be kind of smart yeah or you know you have or you you get some friends that have a lot of gear <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's another good way to do it yeah sure Absolutely. <laughs> that's you know especially in in big cities you know uh-huh. they're always like people with just piles of of like collected stuff some of it's not always being used so yeah. yeah, and what's a euro rack? Uh, uh, yeah, that that's a, a particular format of, of modular synthesizer equipment. Okay, uh, so it's a synthesizer, right? It's- yeah, it's a, and just the basic basic concept of, of that being that you're assembling all these modules that you can choose yourself that are do oh. different functions uh, in synthesis. Like oh, okay. there okay. might be the oscillator, which generates the tone in the first place. And then you have filters and, uh, you know, it go, the, uh, the list goes on and on of the kind of components of a oh, synthesizer. Right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it kind of allows this like customization. customization. Uh, and so yeah. manipulate the sounds basically no? so yeah exactly and you, you yeah. can sort of like uh yeah you get to choose your own setup like piece by piece of of what's uh what sort of yeah what's making those synth sounds for you um yeah i've like I've only like dabbled in it. I, I have like one semi-modular synthesizer in the sense that you can re- route and reconnect things in different orders uh, to create interesting results in in a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have I have quite a few friends that have like really full-on uh, yeah Euro rack or like racks of of modular stuff that mm-hmm. uh, all patched up with the eighth-inch cables and just going crazy on it, working cool. for. Hours yeah. on on sounds, yeah, it's, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, 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 it's fascinating. You know, it's it's so so much. So, what where, where what's the future of, of? I don't know if this is like kind of a weird question, but how do you see yourself or people making music ten years from now? Are we gonna do the same thing? It's gonna be like a big discovery, improvements in technology, music. Yeah, it's it. Music is a little slower moving than other uh, aspects of tech, I think, because of 
it's just hard to reinvent the wheel all the time. Yeah. Uh, with sound, sound is a particular thing. Yeah. I mean, you get sort of like philosophical or existential about it. It's really, yeah. there's just like a limited range of, of sound waves that we can even hear as humans. <laughs> so yeah. we have yeah. speakers, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what they are. I mean, there's, there's, people getting into all this like 3D mixing and, and that sort of sound design these days, especially for, for movies and visual mm-hmm. uh, components. But there is an element of, yeah, it's hard to reinvent a saxophone or a guitar or yeah. uh, just these like instruments that are ingrained in our, our specific cultures. Um, yeah, I I don't think that, at least for music production, it's just sort of like these slow slow and steady improvements that get made the power of processing on computers uh plugins becoming like higher fidelity or or even or maybe lower fidelity but actually feeling like an analog source i've noticed that like in the in the past couple of years that some of the like i have those arturia plugins that are sort of like modeling old mm-hmm. analog synthesizers and and keyboards and they actually are like fun to work with <laughs> where pre- previously it was just like, no, this is not the real thing. It doesn't sound yeah. at all, you know, but yeah. So there's little incremental, I think, improvements uh, in music technology on the production side. Then for a consumer, that's a, that's a different thing. That'll be interesting to see what the next yeah. era is after, yeah. you know, like Spotify and TikTok. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. where are we going? Yeah. I'm curious. I think we could do a little bit better online for for uh, music delivery platforms at this point. Yeah. I don't I don't think we're done. I, I don't think it's an I- ideal um, kind of era in, in in music distribution and and like the internet interfacing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, a better version that, that would need to happen eventually but that's we'll true yeah. um yeah so i guess there are two sides of that right there's kind of like yeah. the, the actual like musician industry music making production technology future sort of side and then there's like the the consumer which is that's important if you're like me and you actually want to communicate with people and want to make music for other people and for for places and experiences right that's right. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I have a few questions from. I announce on my um, on my Instagram and Twitter uh, and Discord. Actually, I have mm-hmm. some people on my Discord, and I, I have a couple of cool questions here. Somebody asks, "What what do you think about when you make music?" Yeah, that that's a good one. That's a good one. Huh? It, it wouldn't be one thing over you know, that I have a few years of producing stuff behind my belt. I think the one thing that uh, helps me make a, a lot of music consistently at one time for me is um, being in a, a maybe a new place or a new moment in in my life where it yeah. feels like things are transitioning a bit, and and you sort of also have a little bit of time to process like yeah how you're feeling personally or maybe you're inspired artistically uh by being in a, a yeah a, like a, literally a new environment a lot of times when i go to new places and i have a little bit of music equipment with me that will like kind of be the inception of a lot of nice musical ideas if i have a few free days somehow like that's happened to me and 
in Mexico when I visited with like, mm-hmm. even with like what you're describing, just with a MIDI keyboard and your laptop. Um, yeah. That's sort of like the inspiration moment, the moment of like, just, oh, what kind of like style of thing do I want to try to make or uh, how am I feeling that day? Um, yeah. So yeah, I get places, places and travel inspire me a lot for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, more and more I get, as I get a bit older and the technical side of producing music, I have like some understanding of, I'm, I'm, then I get more concerned with like, okay, let me, what are we really trying to say? Like, let's, let's write some songs. Let's figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't think about one particular thing when I'm making music. I think it's more just like allowing myself to be, can I be in the moment? Can I let go enough to get some new ideas out? Right. Sure. Sure. And do you think the pandemic has had an impact on that? What what has changed during this time? Yeah. Well, with with that, that real lockdown in, in 2020, that was all I could do is like make some new music. So I did that. (laughs) But it it wasn't ideal uh, for anyone as I don't think the the feeling of that that moment, but that was the best thing that I I could make happen. And then, yeah, yeah, it's a new era now. I think a lot of things shifted with um, all this like international travel and and politics and their new patterns of people Mm -hmm. traveling to new places after the pandemic and just sort of making up for weird lost time. Um, and yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how things unfold. I, I don't feel particularly settled into like a particular thing right now in terms of like the style of music or specific uh, like vibe that I'm latching onto. I'm sort of searching at the moment, I'd say, as I create some new mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the pandemic sort of like sh- shook things up a bit and and made people kind of reevaluate where they're at. Sure, absolutely. So I have two more questions for you, Peter. Thanks so much for doing this again. It's it's been an amazing. Are you having fun? I'm having a lot of Definitely. fun. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> it's been to so just, much fun. Yeah, nice yeah, to absolutely. chat like this yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So Discord people are. Cool. So it says, what artist or song resonates with you the most right now? So what are you listening to? Oh, yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. You know how I listen to a lot this year? Uh, uh, Maybe not not this week, but just uh, I think every month recently, uh, Roshan Murphy, that that, uh, Irish uh, singer-songwriter. Do you want me to spell that or do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, R-O-I. R-O-I-S-I-N, Roshin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Murphy uh, is her last name. But yeah, she's just a badass. She's been around uh, doing great music for a long time. She had this band Maloko in the 90s. Um, Oh, Maloko. I know Maloko, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, she's she's had some hit songs in the underground and and dance music world over the years. But she she had some recent records out produced by uh, this, this pretty like underground legendary UK guy who's his most known alias, I think is crooked man. He's like a DFA artist. And, but he's, I think he's from Sheffield uh, in the UK and, and it's just badass stuff. It's like cool, like dark, sort of dark disco, very like, yeah, it reminds me a little of like Roxy music or that sort of attitude. Oh, that sounds um, amazing. Yeah. Check, check her out. That, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I will do it that. was, um, 
what's the name of the I think it's like Roshan Machine was an album from a couple yeah yeah it's like her first name Machine uh her album from a couple years ago that's sick and then they did an entire remix album of remixing the album in order of it's just really cool like as a seamless sort of experience not just like a bunch of random remixes from different artists but they just like completely remixed the album uh as like one thing which is a really cool concept that not Mm -hmm. everyone could pull off yeah uh yeah that's a that's a great artist that i've been enjoying recently sounds great i'm gonna check it out right away after the podcast (laughs) cool yeah and I have one more here on this skirt. If your house was burning down and you can only save three things, what would they be? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that never happens, but yeah, they right. Yeah, same to you. <laughs> but man, that's a yeah. I'm glad I have a I have a nice, like well put together small apartment yeah. right now. <laughs> so I don't have too much stuff. <laughs> that's good. Your yeah, guitar, probably. No? Yeah, exactly. Right, running out, running out the door. It would probably be like uh, uh, grabbing an an instrument, like guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in all honesty, probably some sort of tech device at this point, because that's where all our shit is backed up on, right? You know, my <laughs> yeah. my laptop or laptop. Or, a, or a hard drive or something. You know, as that's pretty real. That's especially if you're a any sort of creative producer person just endless files backed up in weird places uh cool yeah i don't know put put some shoes on hopefully (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 cool so what's coming up next any new releases can what can we expect from you and underground system yeah there's a a, there's a bit to work on right now i've sort Mm -hmm. of like i had to like regroup myself and like really uh I'm, yeah. I'm have to make room to to finish a lot of new stuff. Is we're gonna do another, that second EP with Razor and Tape, yeah, cool. um, and that yeah that'll be on its way. Uh, then we'll do a single in a couple months, and then we'll put that out at the beginning of next year. Uh, but then we really, we, yeah, it's about time we need to do a second full length album for Underground System, and we've got some songs that are already done for that, but we got to really like finish that and, and, you know, make it all feel good and sequenced and in a way that feels right for a proper LP, you know? Um, so that's going to be a big one on the to-do list. And then I'll do a solo record of my own uh, in the next year or two as well. So I've got plenty of, plenty of stuff to finish up right now. Uh, Yeah. So there'll be a, Nothing, nothing huge this fall. Just one single from Underground System, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting, yeah, I'm just back, back in the studio again and and making the next batch of stuff. So we'll see what see what comes from it. Cool. Really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for Thanks, being man. on the podcast, Peter. Yeah, thank amazing. you for having Say me. Say hi I, to your bandmates, Domenica, and everybody. They are great. I, I love the energy you put out there. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for being here, and yeah, hopefully I make it down, make it yeah. down your way some year coming sure, up. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm trying to organize a festival here in the jungle with some of the artists that have been on my podcast. It's gonna yeah. be hard. Nobody plays here in Ecuador, you know. I don't know if it's right. uh, yeah. such a small country or safety reasons, whatever it is. But uh-huh. we, we 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 need to do something here, you know, definitely, culturally yeah. speaking, because 
it's such a shame, you know, there are so many beautiful places here to organize. Yeah, it seems like a, a really incredible country. Yeah, it's I, cool. I gotta come it's visit. Cool. You know, it's very Actually, small and you have everything, right? You have mountains and the sea, the Pacific definitely. Ocean, and the yeah, jungles. It's kind of cool. The sort of images and, and, and videos I've seen, it looks awesome. Cool. All right, Peter, have a have a wonderful day there and talk to you soon. Bye. Thank, thank you. Goodbye.